With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am William Chase, your host, and joining us today are Pale Dragon, PD. What's up? Hey, Will. How's it going? Pretty good. And Elaine Shercliffe joins us. How's it going, Elaine? Pretty good. Well, how are you? I'm doing well. So uh, the Blue Jackets preseason is over. Um, Basically, the last game was wiped out yesterday against the Blues due to mechanical aircraft, mechanical issues for the Blues. So now that the preseason is over, we're getting ready for Friday night's home opener against the uh, Maple Leafs. So I was just curious what your guys' thoughts were as we basically, the rosters are, are basically coming to come into order here at the end. But uh, what are your guys' thoughts heading into the season? Uh, I'm ready for real hockey to happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm tired of the of the speculation and stuff. And preseason has sort of cleared some things up for us. But now I, I just want the the real games to start. Uh, I'm excited to and, you know, preseason, we've seen these kind of piecemeal lineups. And Friday was as close as we've had to, you know, a real lineup. But it still wasn't fully there. Uh, there was no Ryan Murray, no Emil Bemstrom, but I'm ready to see the real roster in action, and uh, let's just get this thing going. I'm really excited to see a Monsters roster, <laughs> uh, which I will hopefully get to see tomorrow at Media Day, which will it'll be nice to see the players in person. And then with the Jackets, I, I think how we do against Toronto opening night will be a, a test uh, to see how we do the rest of the season, or at least like the first month of the season. I feel like Toronto might not be given up like five goals this game. Yeah, well, I, I think, yeah, it's it's going to take more than just one game to determine. I think, yeah, but after October, I think we'll have a start a better idea of how the team's shaping up. I think that there might be a little bit of rust because we didn't play on Sunday. Uh, so that's going to be a whole week off of game action for Corpusalo. So then that's not ideal for him. He's better the more often that he plays. Uh, so we'll see if, especially in the first period against Toronto, if there's any uh, rust that he has to work out there, see if there's any opening night jitter for the the rookies, the young players. Um, I kind of like that they're starting with a back-to-back because anything that goes poorly on Friday, they'll be able to put it out of their heads and get a fresh start on Saturday against Pittsburgh. Uh, and anything that happens good on Friday, they can build on that right away uh, against Pittsburgh then the next night. Yeah, and even though it's just one game, I mean, regardless of who the opponent is, you know, you never know who, how the season's going to shape up. But I'm kind of curious to see how they play against Toronto because we know how they are, you know, on paper as 
how good Toronto is going to likely be and how good they've been the last couple of years. So it'll be an interesting test. And of course, it's just one game. But like you said, PD, I'm kind of curious too how they do on the back to back. And uh, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty certain it's going to be Corpusalo the first night and probably Elvis in the second game. So definitely curious to see how that plays out. Well, I'm not so sh- I wouldn't necessarily bet on them splitting those first two games, yeah. depending on how Corpus Allo does against Toronto. I could see him playing the next night in Pittsburgh as well, especially if he plays really well. Uh, I could see, you know, Torch starting to use him more as a workhorse, you know. Now, I think he's still going to get Elvis his share, but I don't expect it to be 50-50 to start based on what I've seen in preseason, because I think that Corpus Allo has looked much sharper in preseason and Elvis is going to have to earn an even playing time, you know, and I think that's going to take some time before he, he gets to that point. So I, I think preseason has allowed us to pump the brakes a little bit on Elvis. Uh, I think we've seen flashes of what he can be, but we've also seen that, you know, this is going to be an adjustment and he's not just going to step in right away and be Bob's replacement. Yeah. You know, that's going to take some time before he gets to that level, if he ever gets to that level. True. Plus, it'll be really nice to have a goalie who isn't, like, afraid of Malkin or Crosby, who doesn't kind of, yeah. like, freak out when they score on them. I, hmm. I feel like Corpy and even Elvis do much better of a job bouncing back after a noted prolific scorer scores on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and and I remember Corpy last year, he faced Pittsburgh in, in our third game against Pittsburgh and it did pretty well. It ended up being a loss for the Jackets, but after Bob had had some more struggles against them in the first two games, uh, you know, Corpy was not intimidated uh, and he at least kept the team in the game. It's just the offense didn't show up. So yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about him facing Pittsburgh or Toronto. Uh, I think Corpy looks like a different Corpy. I agree. You know, so it's not, it's not just the numbers. I think just anecdotally his positioning's better. His rebound control is better. I'm not saying that he's going to be Bob level. I just think he's going to be better than the Corpy we've seen as a backup the last couple of years. I think he can be at least a league average goalie, which I think that is enough to keep this team in the mix. I was just going to say real fast on Corpusalo. I kind of think maybe from a psychological standpoint that just knowing that, you know, for once there's not a Vezina winning goalie and Bobrovsky looking over his shoulder, like even though we knew Bob was the number one guy, it was kind of like last year, Corpusalo had a, a chance there to kind of take some starts if he was doing really well. And, um, you know, it's like now it's like, well, there that he's not there anymore. Bob's not there. Corpusalo, this is basically he's up, you know, essentially has the chance to be the number one goalie. So I, I just feel like from a psychological aspect, maybe that helps him too. That's a good point. Now, um, the rosters aren't quite finalized, but there were a few more transactions today as Eric Robinson was sent down and Marco Dano was waived with the intent to be sent to Cleveland. And then uh, goalie Hayden Stewart was released from his pro tryout. So, um, it looks like Jacob, Lilia, Sonny Milano, and, and Emil Benstrom could be the three that could make that roster for Friday night and going forward. Um, what are your guys' thoughts maybe on the roster or you know just how it's shaped up to this point? Well, I think it's great for Eric Robinson because I think he still has a lot he needs to work on and should not be sitting. Uh, he sat for far too long last season when he should have been down. So I think it will be great to have him back. Anyone that isn't excited about having Marco Dano back is just <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> um, that's mostly just from like a what kind of guy he is standpoint. But he, I mean, he's a hard worker. So I think Coach Eves will enjoy having him as a player. So I, I think it'll be good for Marco as well. And I'm really excited to see how those young guys are going to do up in Columbus. I think they're going to give some of the older guys a run for their money. And I I think they're going to breathe a little bit of new life into the team, which um, we kind of need. Is we, we need like these young guys who are excited to be here and want to play and want to win. So it'll be nice to see what they can bring to the table during the regular season. Yeah, what do you think, Will? 
As far as uh, Marco Dano, I thought it was interesting when they brought him back because, I mean, obviously I remember him from his first couple of years with the Jackets, and I thought maybe he could put something together with the Jackets in the second go-around. He's kind of bounced around a little bit, but as far as... I'm, I'm really excited to see what Bemstrom can do because, I mean... I think it was against the Sabres, the first preseason game when he hit that power play goal from the circle. And, you know, I'm curious to see if maybe he can help the power play, which has needed something. I mean, we've gone through over two years of this power play being anemic. So I'm hoping maybe Bemstrom can bring life to it if he can make the roster, which it looks like he might. And, of course, with uh, Sonny Milano, I mean, we've been waiting to see if he might finally have a shot as far as going forward. So... This is kind of his last chance, I feel like, as far as what he can bring to the Blue Jackets roster. And just real quick on Lilia, uh, when he was playing against the Blues last Sunday, he had a, a nice three-goal or three-point effort with two goals. So I kind of wondered if he might have a shot at the... I didn't know if he would make the roster, but it looks like he's going to. And I'm just kind of really... I'm just really... In general, I'm just really excited to see the young guys have a chance to, sh- to show up and step up and see what they can do on the for the NHL squad. Yeah, Lilia is, I think he's a big wild card. So he he's not a, a young guy. He's 26 years old. So this is an adult. He's a veteran player in the Swedish league. But I, I, I here to see what role they use him in. Uh, I think he could be perhaps a, a, a plus fourth line player. You know, I think a, a guy who might get those minutes, but has some scoring touch. And I think he's a guy, he's very motivated to give the NHL a try, you know, and and I'm glad to see that he was able to make the most of his preseason to earn the spot on the roster. Uh, He was teammates with Bemstrom last year, so I'm curious to see if they might end up playing on a line together because of their existing chemistry. Uh, Bemstrom, I really hope that they use him on the power play right from day one because he did not play on Friday against New Jersey, and the power play that night was atrocious, I thought. They had many chances, many, including a stretch there t- towards the end of the first period where they had like a few five on threes strung together and they could not score. Now, Corey Schneider was played very well in goal, but they ended up getting, uh, what, eight shots on goal uh, in what? There was some overlap there, but, you know, there were eight penalty minutes for the Devils, but still only eight shots on goal from the Jackets. And it just looked like a lot of their bad habits were back. Their guys just standing around, taking too long to pass or to shoot, you know, passes, missing sticks. It was just really sloppy and very frustrating because it's like, what were you guys working on? Uh, So hopefully if they get Bemstrom in there and practice with him, just, you know, let him camp out in that circle of course, he doesn't camp out. He is constantly moving, which I love. And he gets those one-timers. He shoots quickly. Uh, so the players need to watch him and do what he does and get him the puck. And hopefully that can spark the power play. Because if it doesn't get going, uh, it's been two and a half years of a terrible power play. And I, I'm not ready for another season of a bottom of the league power play. I really hope that they fix that. Yeah, how does Dan Larson still have a job? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But can I? Um, I want to circle back to Sonny just really quick. Sure. I was so excited to see how he would do this preseason. They kept him up for so long. I felt like he almost regressed slightly as preseason went on. He in that Devils game, he like he got booty bumped by someone, but very slightly, and he just fell over. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me, Sonny? You are so much stronger than that. You have so much feist. I never, I, I didn't see it this preseason. I was very disappointed to see him not muscle through the crowd, not be able to fight for a puck on the boards. It made me question what happened in between the end of the monster season and the playoffs to now because he should have gotten better or stayed the same, definitely not taken a step back. And I mean, Tord said something about how he keeps trying to make plays out of nothing. He doesn't need to do that. And he's 100% correct. That's his biggest downfall. I've said it before. 
is I don't feel like he always trusts his teammates to mm. be there for a pass or to make that goal. It, I don't think it's a selfish thing. I think it's an untrusting thing. So if he's going to play like that in the NHL, they need to chance him on waivers and send him down or just trade him in general. Because if he plays like this, he's not going to do well at the Jackets level and he's going to end up sitting or causing the Jackets games. Well, uh, I I think he regressed even just in this preseason because he, he got some goals there in the first couple preseason games. And I thought, all right, good. This is he's built on some things and you know the goals were were hard working goals it was because he was getting to the net he was getting rebounds he was getting passes that sort of thing and that and i was really excited that we were finally seeing that sunny milano and then in the new jersey game he had no shots on goal and you know i get like torts wanted him to work on his defense he wanted to battle for pucks to not turn over the puck which happened in some of those later games but i don't care as much about those things i think sunny milano is supposed to be you know, an offensive player, right? And so I could forgive the turnovers or the lack of defense if he was at least shooting the puck. But if he's not shooting the puck, what's he doing? You know, and that was, then uh, that I think is what ultimately cost him a spot on the Jackets, you know, last season and the year before is that the offense faded away. And then he's, he's worth nothing to the team if he's not producing offensively. Um, so that, that's, that's frustrating to see. And, uh, yeah, I, I think this, this coming month is going to be his last chance to stick on the blue jackets roster. And yeah, it's either, either waivers or trade if he can't find a way to consistently be an impact player. Yeah. And just real fast, I was just going to add that based on nothing at all, I'm predicting the power play to have it to be a top 20 this year based on literally nothing. So I'm sure they won't be, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm aiming high for this power play, which is top 20. Well, so, you, yeah. you have, you have literally nothing to base that on because they don't <laughs> right. appear to have exactly. changed anything. Well, we're going to be number 30. Yeah, they probably will be at least top 27 or 8, which isn't anything. But uh, I'm just hoping something clicks this year. And, of course, they won't have um, St. Louis this year so as he's stepping down. But anyway, maybe Bemstrom will be the guy to just spark it. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Let's go ahead and continue our series on the uh, divisional previews uh, as we hit the Atlantic Division. And we'll work our way up from the bottom as we've been doing. So in order of the standings from last season, it was... I'll go through the teams real fast, and then we'll go through each team. But uh, the Senators, the Red Wings, Sabres, Panthers, Canadians, Maple Leafs, Bruins, and Lightning in order of last to first. So starting with the Senators, obviously they struggled last year. You know, and probably to the surprise of many, they actually locked up Thomas Shabbat, their defenseman, on an eight-year deal earlier in the season. If you remember, they traded Artem Anisimov for Zach Smith, re-signed Colin White to a six-year deal. So, PD, what's your thoughts on Ottawa as we go into the 19-20 season? I'm very frustrated with the way that they're being run. Uh, Eugene Melnick, I think, is the is clearly the worst owner in the NHL. He is one of the worst owners in North America, I'd have to say, um, because I not it's not clear to me that he's trying to win or is willing to invest in a winning team. They've they've got a cap hit of 70 million, and yet a lot of that is tied up in players that are no longer playing and so and ha- are making less money than what their cap hit would be. So he's not even really even spending the full 70 million. Now, some of the moves that the GM has made have been good. They've collected a lot of draft picks. I'm looking at their 2020 draft pick. They've got two first round picks, three second round picks. So they can they can add talent. Locking up Shabbat was a good deal. I I don't think he's as great as some people think he, he is, but if he 
develops into the defenseman that they think he is, then eight million for like eight more years, that is that is gonna be a steal. Nikita Zaitsev, like that was a decent pickup on the back end. Anisimov, uh, that's I I think he's he doesn't have much left in the tank. Brady Kachuk, he's he's all right as a, as a young guy. There's not a lot else on the forward side that excites me there. So I think they're gonna be bottom of the barrel again. That their goaltenders, I mean, Craig Anderson's 38 and not very good. Yeah, there's there's not a lot going for them, but maybe in a few years if their draft picks pan out. But uh, I think the best thing that could happen for that franchise is uh, getting a different owner. And really, the, and those fans deserve better. Uh, I, I went up there for a game a few years back, and their barn was nice, and it was way out in the suburbs, which was unfortunate, but it was a good place to watch a game. The fans were super friendly to us, so they deserve better than, than what they're going to have here for the foreseeable future. If there is one person who can make the Dolans of the Indians look like they spend money, it is Eugene Melnick. <laughs> like, he will never spend money on talent, ever. I mean, he's had players who deserve to make money to stay there and does not even try to give them the money or woo them into staying in Ottawa. That team is super frustrating. And what's even more frustrating is they probably won't finish last multiple years in a row. They somehow manage to sometimes squeak up a little and then they'll have a bad year. But you can't consistently depend on them to be like the Cleveland Browns. Just like <laughs> be bad, except this year when the Browns are good. But yeah. the Senators have always been a very frustrating team. I cannot imagine being a fan of the Senators because I would probably cry myself to sleep every night. <laughs> I just I, I just don't see how they're going to do well this year. But also they're one of those teams that I sometimes just kind of forget about until the Jackets play play them as well. Because, like you said, there's not much going on there. And when it comes to their draft picks, like – the 2020 draft year, okay, that's the 2002 birth year. And they are sandwiched in between two incredible birth years, the 2001s and the 2003s. So where you would have, where someone would have wanted their draft picks is definitely this past year and in 2021. I'm not yeah. saying that like the 2002 birth year is absolutely awful because there are some great players in there, but there's not a lot of them. So stocking up on draft picks in what's probably going to be a light, lightly talented birth year is very interesting to me. Unless they need a goalie. There's some really good goalies there. Yeah, uh, it's hard as, I don't know, with Ottawa, it's just weird to me how they were actually, uh, I think... Didn't they go to Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Final like four years ago? It's crazy how far they've fallen. Fat. Well, maybe it's, maybe it's not that crazy, but that was that was uh, that was three years ago. That was the 2017 yeah. season. They lost to Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just like yeah. wow. Well, and that, that was when they had yeah they had you know they had Mark Stone and they had Eric Carlson and then yeah, yeah they had all these this great talent like last summer and and they've traded it all away and uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just, things can change quite quickly. Now, on to the Red Wings. They're officially under the control of legend Steve Eiserman as their new GM, and obviously they'll face a familiar foe when Gustav Nyquist and the Jackets come meet them this year. Uh, they lost Nicholas Cronwall, who retired, and they're bringing back Valtteri Filppula, who actually won the Red Wings' last Stanley Cup in 2008. So that's almost, that was 11 years ago. So um, as far as the Red Wings, guys, um, I'll start with you this time, Elaine. Uh, what, what do you think about Detroit? I think that, Detroit is never going to be super bad for more than like a year or two. They just have this history of excellence. And now that Stevie Eiserman is back, I think you're going to see a whole different level of playing from the guys. I think you're going to see more serious people. You're going to, uh, they're going to be more in tune with their craft. I think they're going to take the game seriously they, they're going to realize that they're playing for a very legendary man and a legendary organization. And no matter if you are a bad player, 
if you are a mentally and like spiritually sound person who recognizes that that man and what he has done for just hockey in general, you're going to give him your all and you're no longer going to be a bad player. So he's going to be able to find the ones who get it, who understand, who want to be there. And he's going to just like, it's going to be, it's going to be great for them. I, I don't really want it to be great for them because we have to, you know, deal with them. But it, I feel like this year we might see some of the old Red Wings come, like the old style Red Wings come back. Yeah, I I think, I think he will as well. That's a great hire. I've, I think Ken Holland has been past his prime for a long time now. He built a great team before there was a salary cap. And then once there was a salary cap, uh, he found that it was a lot harder to maintain a great roster like that. Um, And there's a lot of contracts, though, still on the books that are contracts that you can't afford to have in a hard cap league, like uh, Franz Nielsen or Justin Alpacatter. There's a yeah, so there's still some dead weight there that Eisman is going to have to clear out. So that's going to take a few more years. But based on what he did in Tampa, I have faith that he will get things turned around there, which sucks because I have really enjoyed Detroit being bad. <laughs> but yeah. uh, again, it's going to take some time. Although I do think I will give them credit last year, despite them not being a good team, I felt like they were still not an easy team to play. Like the Jackets especially struggled with them. You know, they didn't just blow them out. Like they had to work hard to win those games. And so I think that's still going to be the case this year. Um, So that's something to look out for. But they're not going to finish much better in the standings. Not yet. Yeah, first game of the year last year, uh, Corpusalo got them in. They they beat the Red Wings in overtime. Then on my birthday, I remember I think the Wings scored three in the first, and Columbus mounted a little comeback, but uh, you know, fell short. But yeah, I think uh, Stevie's track record in Tampa shows what he's going to be able to probably do in his, uh, you know, with the Red Wings. So it will be interesting. And also, PD hit the nail on the head as far as it's been nice to see. Oh, well, I'll say it's been nice to see the Red Wings kind of after years of dominating Columbus. It's just it was weird to see them where they are in the standings these days. But I think it'll be a moment or, or a matter of time before Iserman can rectify that. But uh, moving on to Buffalo um, for the Sabres, they locked up Jeff Skinner for eight years, traded for Jimmy VC. And they're obviously trying to ignite their core along guys like Jack Eichel. So PD, what do you look at with Buffalo? Uh, I feel like there's a bit top heavy. Um, so I don't think they have the depth to to make any moves yet. Jeff Skinner, that was an interesting pickup that they made last year. Is he is he a nine million dollar player? Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like he's a guy that he needs good line mates to be productive. He's not one to be the you know, play driving forward uh, that you'd expect for the, what he's making. Uh, Jack Eichel is also another one who it's like they gave him, you know, eight years, $10 million because that's what Connor McDavid got. And it's probably not fair to compare Eichel to McDavid because McDavid is a generational player, but Eichel was drafted right after him. And so they get lumped together and he's not, he's not a McDavid kind of player. Uh, last year though, he, he impressed me more than he had before. I still think he's a bit overpaid, a bit overrated. He's not, he alone is not good enough to carry that team. So again, like Detroit, this is not a team that I see getting significantly better this year in the standings. Yeah, I don't think Jack Eichel can carry this team. I wish they would find someone, multiple someones to play with him because the way he can quarterback plays is so beautiful. Just in this preseason alone, watching him quarterback plays has been just phenomenal. And I, it's a shame that he, there are not more players on that team who can read him, who can see what he's doing, who can even get to the puck at the right time and not, fumble the puck if they do get it it's 
he deserves better because he has gotten better and he keeps getting better, but the team keeps staying the same. I feel like at one point Jack's going to outgrow the team, but they're not going to be able to trade him because his contract is so big and I don't think he should have had a contract that big to begin with um, for that long because it's not a very tradable contract or anything to work with. And unfortunately, and they're right up against the salary cap as well. You know, they have to use, they had to use LTIR to to get cap compliant. Now they have, there are a lot of guys whose contracts are expiring after this season. So that includes like Connor Sheary, Vladimir Sabatka, Evan Rodriguez, Zemgis Gergensens, who's one of my favorite Mm -hmm. names in the league. I love that name. (laughs) Um, So some of these guys, I don't know if they'll, Try, try to extend them or if they'll try to flip them for, for assets at the deadline, uh, that'll be worth watching. But they don't have a lot of flexibility right now. And that's not a good thing to have when you're already not a great team. Right. And their farm team is very aggressive, very different than um, the kind of skilled players that they need at the NHL level to play with Jack. So there's not even much to draw from down there as of right now. I mean, their roster's not set. Who knows? They could get a last-minute PTO that turns out to be their saving grace that the Sabres end up signing. But it's going to be really hard when you're up against the cap like that. So it's going to be a very interesting season with them. Very interesting. I don't think they're going to do well, though. I should have mentioned also that they're going to have a rookie, well, a rookie head coach for the as far as the Sabres go with Ralph Kruger. He actually coached the Oilers some years ago a little bit, but uh, that's another interesting aspect of it too, as Full Housley was let go after last season. So interesting times in Buffalo. Moving up to the Panthers, we obviously know what they've done. They they're they're amongst the teams I think in the league that would at least you know, from their perspective have Stanley Cup aspirations. Bringing in the legend of Coach Joe Quinville, signing Sergei Bobrovsky and Anton Strawman. Yeah, exactly. Who and Roberto Luongo has retired. So obviously, this is the team trying to get back to the playoffs. PD, do you think the Panthers? Well, what do, what's your thoughts on the Panthers? Yeah, no, they they are going to be better this year. They already had a lot going for them. They've got some really nice players on the roster. Uh, you know, Ekblad and Yandel on the defense. They added Anton Strollman, who I don't think is great, but I think he helps their defensive death a little bit. Huberto, Barkov, Trocek, Hoffman, Dadanov. These are these are really good players on on the on the forward side. So they've already been kind of close in recent years. Adding Quenville, I think he's a coach that will have an impact, at least for the next few years. But then the big thing is adding Bob, because we've seen what Bob can do when he's on. Uh, I think he has a few more years of elite level goaltending in him. And with the rest of what they've got, that is certainly enough to get in the playoffs. Is it enough to make a run in the playoffs? I'm not sure if only because there are so many other good teams in the East, and I don't know that Florida has the depth to compete with those teams. But if uh, if Bob plays at his peak level, uh, certainly we've seen how far that can carry a team. So I, I don't I still would have Florida as maybe a wild card team this year, but they are definitely going to make the playoffs. I think that Florida is going to definitely make the playoffs be maybe like second or third in the Atlantic. I think that it's going to be like Tampa Bay though this year. They're going to have one bad game in the playoffs and it's going to get in Bob's head. It's going to get in Strawman's head and that's it. They're done. They're going to be done after the first round, maybe the second round if they get there. And that's going to drive Joel Quinville mad. He's going to get (laughs) so mad. Like, because that's what's going to happen because they're some a lot of those players on the team are just not they have great skills but they're just not emotionally prepared for people doing well against them. They just shut down sometimes. So I think it's going to be very reminiscent of the Tampa Bay Lightning this past year. 
Yeah, I'll be curious. I'm kind of curious to see how Joel Quinville does down there after a year off. But uh, I'm sure he's rejuvenated. And I don't know, it'd be interesting to see them, how they do. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. For the Canadians, I feel like they're always in the mix when you have Carey Price. They attempted to bring in a Sebastian Ajo via offer sheet, but the Hurricanes matched hit, matched that offer. Um, but they do bring in former Blue Jacket Twitter cheerleader Keith Kincaid. <laughs> so what's your thoughts, uh, guys, on the Canadians? I have zero thoughts about the Canadians. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so yeah, sorry. They, I, no, that, that's that's fair. They, they were, uh, you know, they were really good last year. They you know, nearly got into the playoffs over the Jackets. But I think they were driven by a lot of guys on career years, and I think they're going to struggle to to match that this year. And again, with the uh, talent in the rest of the division, uh, I think they're going to just miss the playoffs again this year. Carey Price had a back, you know, a bounce back year, uh, which was which was great for them, carried the team for a bit, you know, but he's 32 years old now. Can he have another year like that? I don't know. And again, that that ten point five million dollar cap hit it li- really limits their flexibility as well. They've got they do have four million in cap space, so they could make another move if they had to. But again, I just I don't I think some of these guys uh, are not going to have the years that they did. Their defense is getting older and isn't very good anymore. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think the Canadians have enough. I'm with you. I feel like outside of Price, it's like I don't, I don't see this team having a legit shot, and that's kind of what I always felt like with Bobrovsky. He kind of gives the team a chance to be a contender, but then it's like, how far can they really go? But anyway, moving on to the Maple Leafs, as usual, dominating the offseason storylines. Um, they lost Jay Gardner, who's now with the Hurricanes, and the saga with yet another holdout, if you want to put it that way, finally ended with Mitch Marner coming to an agreement. So. Toronto Maple Leafs. Is this the year they finally get past the first round? <laughs> mm, no. Nope. I'm sorry. Maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. But mm, yeah, I mean, are they are they do they do enough to make themselves better than Boston yeah. or Tampa? And that that's going to be the tough thing. Um mm-hmm. And also going forward, that's going to be fascinating to watch what Kyle Dubas does next summer. Because he can't do anything else this season because they are right up against the cap. They used up every little bit of long-term injured reserve uh, that they could to be compliant. And so right now, Cap Friendly has them with a little over $14 million of cap space next summer, assuming the cap doesn't change. They'll probably go up a little bit. But they have... See, they've got 12 players under contract for next season (laughs) and like a little over 14 million dollars to fill in the rest of the roster. Uh, So they're going to have to make some moves. They're probably going to have to trade some guys. Uh, Maybe William Nylander would be on the block like I kept advocating that he should be this year. So that's going to be tough. They've got we'll have 33 million tied up in three players and Austin Matthews. John Tavares and Mitch Marner. That's a lot <laughs> when the cap space is not up to 90 even. So you've got more than a third of your payroll tied up in three forwards. And they're all, they're three very good forwards, but oof, that's a lot. And the back end, it's, you know, Morgan Riley and then Jake Muzzin's fine. But they got it. They brought in Cody Sessi and Tyson Berry, who are, 
I don't know. Those don't seem like game changers to me on the blue line. Frederick Anderson's a good goalie. Is he a great goalie? I don't know. So I don't know. I, I enjoy Cap Hill Toronto. So I'm curious to see how that goes. Toronto is going to be just fine. <laughs> they <laughs> have a great uh, farm team. I'm sorry. Their farm team yeah. is really good and they're inexpensive. They're cheap. So if they need to replace someone, they can do it and and do it for less money. So if they don't aren't doing well this year, they'll have players to choose from to sign long-term next year and get rid of some of those bigger contracts and bring up some young guys who who can can handle it. The Maple Leafs know how yeah, to run gonna, an organization. Well, right, and, and they know how to run an organization from top to bottom. So I think that they were like, okay, Mitch, we'll give you this money. And we know that there are guys in the minors who can play with you, not this year, but probably next year and in the future. So I think they've bought into their future more than anything. It's kind of obvious with the way they um, the way they run things down in the Marlies. So I'm never worried about the Maple Leafs doing good or not. They always find a way to do pull something out of their the air. Yeah, and we'll get our as we mentioned at the top, we'll get our first look at them on Friday. So it'll be a good test for Whee. Columbus. Um with the Boston Bruins, as usual, they're always in the mix. They're looking to get back to the Stanley Cup final. They re-signed Charlie Mac McAvoy and really, I mean, they just feature the same dangerous mix basically up and down the roster. Elaine, what what's your thoughts on the Bruins? <laughs> the Bruins are pain in my ass the Bruins like (laughs) you at the beginning of the season I'm always like ah the Bruins they'll maybe make it and then they do really well and I think it's because of guys like Brad Marchand he knows how to get underneath people's skin and he has the skills to back it up like for the most part except for when he's turning over pucks in the Stanley Cup against us but when you have a guy like that on your team you don't have to worry about everything else because if the other team has the momentum, he'll play a mind game. Yeah. So you know how I said Toronto has, you know, $33 million tied up in, in three of their top players. The Bruins top line, none of them have a cap hit above $7 million. They're all signed for under $7 million a year, which is insane. This is an incredibly well-built roster. And yeah, they haven't changed the roster much. And so they look to be good again. Yeah, I, I, they're not necessarily my pick to win the East again, but I wouldn't be surprised if they won the East again. I mean, they've got, they've got top-level talent everywhere. They've got depth everywhere. Yeah, they're just a really good team, as, as we saw firsthand back in May. Yeah, same as you guys. I think they're definitely, they have a chance to represent the East. And who knows, maybe they win it all this time. Um, and that leaves the hope Tampa not. Bay Lightning. Yeah, hope not. Um, that leaves the, the Lightning. They were last year's regular season, regular season juggernaut. Then what happened, Will? I think they uh, they fizzled out the hands of the Blue Jackets in the uh, the first round of the playoffs. But um, looking ahead, they're definitely a stacked squad. Uh, probably many people's pick to at least get to the Stanley Cup final. PD, Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, what's your thoughts? Yeah, they are, again, still a really good team. They... God, they signed Braden Point for three years at $6.75 million. That's a really, really good bridge deal for what a fantastic player he is. So, yeah, they've, they've got still some, some cap issues to face next summer. They might have to trade some guys like uh, like Tyler Johnson or Andre Palat, who have no trade clauses, but they'll have to work around that. But for this year, looks to be a really good team again. Uh, they added Patrick Maroon, who adds a little sandpaper to that lineup, as the, as you guys discussed last week. So, yeah, they look to be a good team again. I wouldn't be surprised if they're President Trophy winners again. And I think that the the loss to the Blue Jackets will end up being a good thing for them because uh, that teaches them a hard lesson uh, about what it takes to make a deep playoff run. Now, obviously, some of these guys have made deep runs before, but it reminds them to you know not buy into the hype that even if they win the President's Trophy again, that they still need to put in the hard work to win a playoff series. Uh, I think now they know what happens when they get punched in the mouth. They were shocked by that when the Jackets came at them. 
And so I think they're going to, you know, know how to react to that. Now, one thing I hope that they don't try to play too physical of a game in the playoffs. Like, I don't think they need to go away from what works for them. I think just it seemed like they just forgot how to play once (laughs) the Jackets came at them the way they did. But if they can get teams to play their game, you know, fast pace up and down the ice, uh, then I think that's going to play into their hands. You know, basically play like they did in the regular season. And I think they can make another deep run. So I, I think they are going to make a run this year. Uh, and that's, part, that's one of my preseason predictions. Oh, I have the hottest of hot takes. Yeah, give it to it. <laughs> they are not going to make the playoffs this year. What? <laughs> I, <laughs> I, oh, come I'm on. serious. I think that last year was their year. I think that they blew it. And that it's just not, no matter who you bring on that team, it's, not going to happen this year. I, I think there's other teams in the Atlantic who who are going to do better. I wow. I just don't see it. I know. I know. I don't care. They're not making it. That's my hot take. <laughs> Everyone can go ahead and at me on that. Okay. <laughs> I don't care. Did you guys want to run through your predictions of the uh, Atlantic real fast? Yeah. So I, I will pick the lightning to defend as champs again uh with the bruins right behind them the leafs yeah are, are again would probably i would be my pick to win any other division but mm-hmm. that's just how top heavy the atlantic is so the leafs would have to be third again which again I, i'm sure they hate having to be you know the road team to face boston in the first round but oh well uh then i think the panthers are going to finish fourth and will be probably the first wild card that'll be my pick there Canadians right behind them, but uh, again, we'll probably fall just short of that. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the, the order, I think, is going to be the same as last year. Sabres ahead of the Red Wings, but that might be... So I guess it was just two points separating them last year. I wouldn't be surprised if the Red Wings jumped the Sabres, but I think the Sabres will still be ahead. And then, yeah, the Senators will be, I think, the worst team in the league again. Maybe they might end up better than the Kings, but I... I Still think it's going to be the Senators' last place. <laughs> Everyone's going to laugh at me, and I don't care. I uh, <laughs> I have the Bruins as first. Okay. The uh, okay. Pan- Panthers second. Uh, the Leafs third. Red Wings fourth. What? Tampa Bay. <laughs> don't be mean, guys. <laughs> Tampa Bay fifth. The Sabres sixth. The Senators seventh and the Canadians last. Wow. I think it's going to be a wild year in the Atlantic. I just really do. It's, it's going to be fun to know that it's not my division. Well, I, I, would, I would rather see that happen than, than my predictions had happened. So. Yeah, I was right there with PD as far as I had Tampa Bay, Boston, Toronto, Florida, Montreal, Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa. I do think Tampa Bay repeats as the champs in that division. Maybe not quite the season they had last year, but pretty close. And yeah, it's a toss-up with Boston, Toronto, and even Florida, I feel like, could maybe be in that mix, but I have them fourth. So um, yeah, pretty much the same. Uh, We're just about out of time. Um, Elaine, you had a final thought that you wanted to share. This weekend was the opening of the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, which does not have a nickname yet, and there's now a grassroots movement to call it the morgue, which I accidentally started in April last year when I put out a funny tweet and now fans in Cleveland really enjoy it. So I'm sure that's going to go over well this season. Also, the arena is gorgeous. It is beautiful. If anyone has any chance to go up to the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse this year, whether it's for a concert, a Monsters game, a Cavs game, uh, Disney on Ice, <laughs> they should come up because there's like this portal that you walk through and it's just this big LED screen. Well, they're like little LED screens, but it makes up one big one. And it's very, I mean, it's kind of trippy sometimes. So maybe like don't get really drunk and walk through it because you might not make it out without crawling. Um, <laughs> it was also nice because there's not a ton of LeBron James stuff in there. And I know... He's not there who? anymore, but he did all right. Who he did a lot of stuff um, for the team when he was there. I mean, he won, you know, won won a trophy. 
but there's not like this huge, you know, thing dedicated to him. It's very Cleveland centric, but it's also very Cavs centric. There wasn't a ton of monsters or hockey related stuff, but I mean, it is the Cavs are the main draw there or have been in the past, but it's definitely worth taking a trip up to see. If you go, get there super early and take the time to walk around because it is phenomenal. And also, I lost count after like 12 of the amount of new beer stands that there were. And there's like this awesome bar in Loudville, which is all the way at the top in the cheap seats, where you go to the bar and then you can turn around and watch the game which is really nice, although the uh, glass is a little short, so don't get too close to it or else you might fall over. But I recommend people go. That's my final thought. Definitely. That sounds, that sounds really awesome. And the pictures are on my Twitter if anyone wants to see them. Do you want to put out your Twitter handle real fast? Oh, yeah, I guess I do. <laughs> it's at I'm a rain dancer, but it's I am a rain dancer. It's not phonetically correct. Yeah, fans should definitely check that out. That's basically going to do it for us this week. Our uh, theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and the Howling, Howling Moons. If you haven't checked out Angela's new album, 430, please do. You can stream it all over and you can find out more at AngelaPearlie.com. Rate us and leave us a review on iTunes. And as always, we'll, we, we welcome your comments and questions. You can tweet at us at CBJCannon and comment on JacketsCannon.com. From all of us at the Canon, thank you for listening, and we will see you all next week.